God bless you. Tonight, I'd like to talk about a topic of faithfulness. Specifically, I want to talk about God's faithfulness. There's something that I say, my fellowship knows it well. For years, we were taught that we are to stand on the promises. And we used to sing that song, standing on the promises of Christ my Lord. Well, I've got news for you. We are not to stand on the promises. I know that's a shock, but instead we're to stand on the character of the promiser, the character of the promiser. A promise is only as good as the character that backs it up. And that's why tonight we're going to talk about God's faithfulness. Go to Psalm 127, Psalm 127. God is faithful. It's one of the dearest phrases I know. There's a lot of unfaithfulness in this world, a lot of things that change, a lot of variance, but God is faithful. Now we look at 127. This is a, a verse that during our Sunday fellowship, uh, Brother AJ shared with us. So it goes in verse one, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. You see, we are surrounded with man's creation, but we know the truth that unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the family, unless the Lord builds the ministry, it is all in vain for those who labor. And the Lord our God is faithful. He's faithful. When I was asked to teach tonight, it seemed to me an appropriate topic to talk about God's faithfulness with the passing of our brother John. You know, when we have the demise of someone that we love and have learned through the years to rely upon, it's traumatic to our faith. I mean, it, it causes us to pause sometimes. We find ourselves tempted to become demoralized with the uncertainty of it all. We turn away from God oftentimes and turn to our familiar selves, and we stop relying on God as we ought to. The people of Israel found these same uncertainties with the death of Moses just about the time when they were about to enter the promised land. So if you go and turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 7, Deuteronomy 7, and in verse 7, it says, The Lord did not set his affections on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of all people. And that was true. Comparatively speaking, Israel was small. It says in verse 8, it says, But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers, that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations to those who love him and those who keep his commands. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. The Lord your God is God. See, God is our God. And our God is faithful. God helps us to face the uncertainties of the future. We can't always rely upon people, but we can always rely upon God because God is faithful. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 17, verse 24. Ezekiel 17, 24. It says, I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. That's a simple phrase, isn't it? But it has the full might and full weight of a faithful God behind it. Psalm 119, 
and look in verse 90, 1990. It says, your faithfulness, faithfulness, Lord, continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. You see, God is never unfaithful. It would be against his character to be unfaithful. God is faithful to his word. He's, un, he's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his works. He's faithful to his people. His faithfulness is the bedrock of our faith. Turn to Lamentations chapter 3, Lamentations 3, and look in verse 22, 322. It says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Isn't that a comforting thought? That every morning when you get up to spend time with God, his compassions are brand new. It goes on to say, great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait on him. This is just one of the great records I believe in the Bible. Great is thy faithfulness. I think of the song that was written because of the scripture. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father, there is no shadow of turning in thee. Thou changes not thy compassions, they fail not, as thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. I get choked up every time I read that or sing it. You know, we are sometimes tempted to trust in our own faithfulness, aren't we? That we think that we can do it by ourselves. And we really shouldn't. And I think about the great apostle Paul, that even the apostle Paul didn't trust in his own faithfulness. You don't have to turn there. It's a pretty short verse, but in 1 Corinthians 7, in the uh, King James Version, Paul says, I give my judgment as one who hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. Isn't that interesting? I'll read it again. I give my judgment as one who hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. You see, it's God's mercy day by day that we can even be faithful. And our faithfulness is dependent upon God's faithfulness. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Now think about it. We look at men and women. We look at people like John Lynn, who has stood for 50 years, a ministry for 50 years. He has been faithful for 50 years. What did he base his faithfulness on? Certainly it wasn't himself. It had to be bigger than that. And it was God who he based his faithfulness on. And I think that's something that we all have to consider, that our faithfulness can only be truly faithfulness if we base it on God's faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And I I think that's the true mark of faith. And when God, God calls you out to do something, he doesn't give you the full picture, does he? He tells you to go and he expects your obedience. And the true disciple of Christ will obey. Verse 9, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were nomadic. 
They moved from place to place. They were like the modern-day Kurds up in northern Iraq. Their home was their tent, right? But as opposed to a tent, in verse 10, it says, For he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And that's the New Jerusalem. And Abraham knew of the New Jerusalem through Revelation. Verse 11, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because, now listen to this, he counted. Now, the NIV says considered, but I think that's too weak. He counted or he judged or he determined him faithful who had promised. That he counted God faithful who had promised. Isn't that wonderful? God is faithful. And Abraham counted him faithful who had promised. And this is the confession, the true confession of the true disciple. That he counts God faithful who had promised. No matter what life throws at you, God is faithful. When you're tempted to throw your hands up in despair, God is faithful. When you're tempted to become consumed with your own weakness or your own unworthiness, God is faithful. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah 31. And look in verse 35. 31, 35. It says, this is what the Lord says. He who appoints the sun to shine by day and decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that it wa its waves roar, the Lord Almighty is his name. Isn't that great? Our God is the Lord Almighty. He's not some provincial deity. He's not some small parochial God. He is God Almighty. That's the God that you pray to every morning. He's the one who created the heavens and the earth. He appointed the sun to shine by day. He decreed the moon and stars to shine by night. He stirs up the sea so that it roars. Look in verse 36. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will the descendants of Israel ever cease to be a nation before me. Isn't that amazing? What a commitment that is to Israel. So, in other words, if the sun stops shining during the day and the moon and stars stop shining at night, only then would God break covenant with Israel. Uh, that's just amazing. And the Old Testament relationship between Yahweh and Israel was centered around covenant. Most covenants require the faithfulness of two parties, right? But God declared this covenant to Israel unconditionally, that it was all based on him. And God is never unfaithful. Turn to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. And look in verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Isn't that encouraging? You know, I can't think of, I can't remember how many times I've whispered that to myself in a time of trouble or duress, that God is my ever-present help in trouble. As bad as life can get sometimes, God is right there with me. In verse 2, it says, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, 
Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, and a mighty fortress he is. Selah. Isn't that wonderful? We like to put our trust in nations and kingdoms, and we become so wrapped up in our politics, and we forget that God is so much bigger than man and his politics. Verse 8. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought to the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. Be still and know that I am God. And that, that's a word I want to put out to you that in those of you who are brokenhearted over the death of our brother John, just keep that in mind. Be still and know that he is God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. I just love it. Beautiful. You know, it talks about the patience and comfort of the scripture. And, and this is what comforts my soul, that my God is faithful. God is faithful. Now, we're going to look at faithfulness, God's faithfulness on the practical side. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10. This is a familiar verse to you, I'm sure. It says in verse 13, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. See, God's faithfulness is very personal. And I think about that, that God is invested in each one of our walks. God wants to see us succeed, right? God is faithfully on hand to help us to succeed. And he promises to provide a way out of our temptations. And that's just wonderful. You know, I think that about what we read earlier. If it weren't for the mercies of God, day by day, we would be consumed. God provides a way out of our temptations. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. And look in verse 23, 523. It says, it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Now, what does it mean to sanctify? Sanctify means to set you apart as his own, that you are God's own. And God sets you apart to make you holy. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. God called you, and God is faithful to see the work through. Go to Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23. 
You see, God doesn't just call us and then, you know, once he gets to know us, he realizes that, you know, somehow he made a mistake. <laughs> God calls us and he sees the commitment or he sees the work through to the end. He's committed to the work. Look in uh, Numbers chapter 23 and look in verse 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? I think that's a question that we all have to really answer ourselves in our soul. Does God make a promise and then not back it up? Does God speak and then not act? Or does he promise and then not fulfill? And, and this all goes to the heart of what I said earlier about character. Is God a liar like man? Not my God. If he was a liar, he wouldn't be a faithful God, would he? Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. You know, I think about our faith and, and how we trust in God. You know, the this whole notion that we used to, a lot of us used to believe that faith was some some mechanical thing that you did, that you got a believing image and you held fast to the image. It has nothing to do with that. It's trusting in a faithful God that when God promises, he delivers. That's faith. Hebrews chapter 10, look in verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most high holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open to us through the curtain that is his or Christ's body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. I love that. A sincere heart in full assurance of faith. The Bible talks about simplicity and godly sincerity, right? That our hearts are simple, that our hearts are like a child's heart, that we trust in a faithful God, a faithful parent, heavenly parent, who's going to take care of us, who's going to wipe our tears away when he needs to, right? It goes on to say, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I love that. We're to hold to the hope of Christ's return unswervingly. Our faithfulness is simply holding on to his faithfulness, and his faithfulness extends beyond the grave. You remember that verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Turn to 1 John chapter 1. It gets me. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Look in verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. God helps us to stay faithful. God is involved in our very repentance of sin, that God is faithful, that God forgives us when we fail. And we can fail over and over and over again, and God forgives us when we confess our, our sin. So we're going to finish up in this section in Joshua chapter 1. Go ahead and turn there. It's Joshua chapter 1. Uh, Gary Lee wrote about this in the newsletter, and I thought it was kind of cool because I was sharing that with my fellowship on Sunday. Joshua chapter 1, look at verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, this was more than just informative. Joshua already knew that Joseph, or that Moses was dead, that Moses had been dead for, you know, a while now. And so God wasn't telling Joshua anything new. The point behind this was that, as you remember, Moses was forbidden from entering into the promised land. And so as long as Moses was alive, they were prohibited from the promised land. And so God is saying to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. It's time to move on to the promised land. Now, before we continue on, I just want to take a moment to consider Joshua's mindset. I mean, if you can put yourself in his place, Moses had been Joshua's mentor. No doubt the two of them have grown close over the years, very close, intimate. Um, Joshua's respect for Moses was implicit. To him, Moses was larger than life itself. He knew that Yahweh spoke to Moses face to face as a friend would. He had even seen the power of God manifested time and time again in Moses' life. And then, in an instant, he was gone, and all his responsibilities fell to Joshua. <laughs> I mean, that must have been daunting if you think about it, overwhelming, discouraging. So in verse two, Moses, my servant is dead. And then God says, now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you a, every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Now listen to this. Now we just talked about how Joshua must have felt. Listen to this. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now can you imagine how encouraging that was to hear that? I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's just amazing. You can imagine how that must have made him feel. Verse six, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. You know, you think about it, in a moment of crisis, strength and courage aren't necessarily qualities that just come welling up within us. <laughs> 
They come from a faithful commitment to God. And we were talking about it in my fellowship uh, on Sunday. Sometimes it's doing it afraid, right? It's doing it afraid. Because it's in the very act of walking out on your faith that God is able to empower you and strengthen you, right? I was thinking, uh, as I was putting this teaching together about Abraham in Romans 4, you don't have to turn there, but uh, it says, He, Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was strong in faith, giving the glory to God. So that's a pretty pretty big key there, isn't it? That if it's all about me, uh, I'm not going to find too much strength, but it's about him and his glory. I'm going to find all the strength I need. True strength and true courage come from faith. Verse 7, it says, be strong and very courageous. So that's the second time he says this. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will prosper or be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. That's the third time. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's great. It's amazing. You see, when we're in a time of crisis or a time of discouragement, we need to fix our minds on a faithful God, our faithful God. Um, Isaiah says that thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Look in verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go into and take uh, possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives and your children and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. In other words, for these three tribes, God was saying, look, you can... You can set down your suitcases over here on the east of the Jordan, but I expect the fighting men to get out there and help secure the land. Okay? It goes on to say, after that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. And then they answered Joshua, and I love this. Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will fully obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you 
as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. And then the people got their chance to say to Joshua, only be strong and courageous. Isn't that something? So we heard that four times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I think about how strength and courage are associated oftentimes with, you know, it's, as I said earlier, but it's with action. You know, you can sit and think about strength and courage, or you can actually walk out on it. And uh, this is going to be our final verse, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and look at verse 1. It says, finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And, and this is our heart as the Living Truth Fellowship leadership and our desire for you that, that, you, uh, that you pray that our message of, may be spread rapidly and that it would be honored, right? Verse 2, and, and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. I'm going to finish with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for these people here, these wonderful saints Father, the, the people who just turn out tonight to hear your word, that, Father, you are dear to their hearts in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for blessing them, healing their hearts, Father, encouraging them, giving them strength. Father, I just thank you for, for your faithfulness, Father, that you are always good, always good, and that, Father, you are our God. And thank you, Father, that we can rely on you in everything. So thank you for all these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. You are always